Hey guys, welcome to the Bill Barnwell Show. I am Bill Barnwell. Today, Pro Football Focus's Doug Kai joins me to break down the NFL trade deadline. We talk about the big trades that happened, some of the big deals that did not happen, and wonder what it means for the NFL. But first, I want to tell you about another podcast, which is now available twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays, The Mina Kime Show, featuring Lenny, a podcast hosted by ESPN NFL analyst Mina. Oh, I know Mina Kimes. I forgot. Of course, I know Mina Kimes. Mina Kimes is a friend of our show, a friend of mine. Of course, you're listening to Mina Kimes already. But if you're not for some crazy reason, Mina Kimes is hosting the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny twice a week during the season here. She's joined on Tuesdays by another friend of ours, Dominique Foxworth. And then later in the week, she's joined by different expert guests to preview the most intriguing games. That is the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny. Listen wherever you are listening to this podcast. All right, joining me to break down a pretty quiet, nothing happening, no big deals, NFL trade deadline, no crazy stuff happening, of course, on this NFL trade deadline. And joining me to talk about it is my friend from Pro Football Focus, Doug Kyatt. Doug, what's up? I'm doing very well. This was, yeah, much crazier trade deadline than I even anticipated. I know that a lot of big names were being floated out there, and it seems like Nearly all of them, plus a few surprises, actually wound up getting dealt. And on top of that, you made your own deal, reportedly, by stealing <laughs> several pieces of your uh, very young daughter's candy from Halloween. Yeah, the great thing about having young children, I've got a one-and-a-half-year-old and a, a five-year-old, is that they can't tell when their candy is uh, diminishing faster than they're eating it. <laughs> and that's especially true for a one-and-a-half-year-old who probably shouldn't be eating candy anyway. So, yeah, during the trade deadline, I was kind of stressed eating all of her candy. What what did you give up in return for this? I think there's going to be some future considerations, ah. probably like some sort of like college funds, oh. food, clothing, uh, toys. In the end, it's probably not going to be a very good deal for me. We will have to keep track of that. I appreciate <laughs> that. You know what? You had immediate needs. You needed a piece of candy or several pieces of candy. I understand. I can't fault you. However, outside of that deal, a lot to discuss here on trade deadline day i'll let you start actually in terms of the, the deals we saw on tuesday which one stood out to you as kind of the most dramatic or most significant of the day i think it would have to be the bradley chubb deal mm -hmm. uh the dolphins getting bradley chubb in a trade for the denver uh, with the denver broncos uh first round pick fourth round pick and chase edmonds going uh to the broncos for bradley mm -hmm. chubb and a fifth round pick you know, at first I was like, okay, he's a pass rusher, first round pick, but and the Dolphins have invested so many resources now in their pass rush, mm -hmm. uh, giving Emmanuel Ogba a big deal, mm -hmm. drafting Jalen Phillips in the first round, mm -hmm. and now this for Bradley Chubb, where they're giving up a first round pick, and they're obviously going to have to give him a market deal since he will be a free agent after this season. Mm -hmm. it, it felt like a lot for a player who, outside of 2020 hasn't necessarily been a premier pass rusher in the NFL. Uh, he's been, you know, above average, certainly a uh, former first round pick, all those things, good pedigree. Uh, but I'm not sure if he's quite lived up to the hype of when he was drafted. So clearly this is a sign that the dolphins are going all in this season, but I like this deal better for the Broncos to recoup a first round pick, uh, mm -hmm. you know, that they traded away for Russell Wilson, or obviously it's a different first round pick, but get back mm -hmm. a first round pick. Um, and they are a team that already has some decent pass rush on their team. So 
I did like that deal more for the Broncos, but that was probably the biggest one of the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, you think about in terms of Bradley Chubb, a guy who was taken very high, I think fourth overall. Fifth, I think it was, yeah. Fifth, fifth overall in the 2018 draft ahead of, I mean, Quentin Nelson, Josh Allen, Minka Fitzpatrick, Rita Vea, superstars in this league came off the board after Bradley Chubb was selected. And the Broncos did not sign Bradley Chubb to an extension when they had the chance. This is his fifth-year option. He's playing out right now, so he is a unrestricted free agent after the season. And I know the sort of underlying metrics on Bradley Chubb are impressive. I know, um, I believe ESPN's pass rush win rate has him as one of the best pass rushers in all of football this year. He's flashed, certainly, but this is not trading for a superstar on a play-by-play basis year after year. And I think the tough part for the Dolphins, like you said, is that now they're basically priced in to paying Chubb like he's a superstar. It's They're in a position now where they don't really have any alternative. You're not going to trade a first-round pick for a half-year rental, even if you might get a comp pick back in free agency. And I think what makes this curious to me from the Dolphins' perspective is I look at this team, and yes, they are better, and yes, they are 5-0, and when Tua Tango-Vailoa has started games this year, but they've now traded the three first-round picks they got from the Trey Lance deal for players. They moved up with the first one to get Jalen Waddell. They traded the second for Tyreek Hill, and now they've traded the third for Bradley Chubb. And Doug, from your perspective, I mean, do you think with Bradley Chubb, even if Bradley Chubb is a superstar, the, the Dolphins can compete with the Bills and the Chiefs at the top of the AFC? Probably not this season. Um, and, you know, obviously this is a deal where clearly, like you mentioned, they don't really have an out. Some of these other deals, Roquan Smith, I feel like the Ravens have an out mm-hmm. for not signing him to a long-term deal. Same thing with the Vikings and TJ Hawkinson. The Dolphins just don't really have an out. So clearly this is with a, a longer-term plan in place. But no, I don't think that they'll be able to compete uh, with the Bills and the Chiefs even after making this deal. And uh, yeah, it's just, uh, I mean... The the one thing that is also significant about this trade to mm-hmm. me, beyond obviously Chubb's skill, and he is a good player, certainly not saying that, um, but you know, as far as some of our metrics, our pass rush win, win rate, he's a little bit probably a little bit further down. Mm-hmm. Um, but this tells me that the Dolphins are completely committed to Tua Tungavailoa at this right. point. Because it, you know, after giving up the first round pick, the last one that they got uh, from the 49ers, they've got the forfeited pick next year um, for the tampering case. So they won't have a first round pick this year. And I think mm-hmm. that, you know, with the way that Tua's playing this season anyway, you probably could have assumed that they were going to roll with him for at least another year or two mm-hmm. here. But he's another one of those quarterbacks who's going to have a deal coming up. And, you know, maybe they can ride the franchise tag and, uh, you know, the fifth year option and all that, like the, the Ravens did with Lamar Jackson. But at some point, they're going to have to commit to Tua to Tagovailoa on a long-term deal. And the way that he's playing this season, it's probably going to be a market contract for him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that that was kind of obvious with the way they played. But this pretty much confirms that he's going to be their quarterback moving forward here. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, maybe it's Tom Brady next year. Maybe that's the one exception. But right. it's like they're about to draft a quarterback, certainly, given how much draft capital they've given up now over the last couple of seasons. and. I I think this is a really interesting trade from the Broncos' perspective as well, because like you said, of course, they were down a couple first-round picks after the Russell Wilson deal. 
that has not panned out. I don't know if people have heard Russell Wilson has struggled this year <laughs> with the Broncos. Um, but Bradley Chubb, you'd figure, even if they were not going to compete this year, could have been a part of their future. We've seen players like Baron Browning step up and play well. They signed Randy Gregory this offseason. So maybe Chubb was not necessarily picture or, or figuring in their plans. But from the Broncos' perspective, if you're going to trade Chubb, I guess I'm a little surprised they didn't do anything else. There have been so many reports that uh, Jerry Judy could be on the trade market, KJ Hamler they were getting calls on, uh, Albert uh, Awe Boonham was basically a healthy scratch the past couple of weeks and plenty of teams need tight ends. I- I'm a little surprised that they trade Chubb and sort of say, okay, we're waving the white flag on this year, but then don't make any other moves to kind of go with that. Yeah, I agree with that. You would think that yeah, if they're going to do a, a reset, maybe do a little bit of a harder reset. But, mm-hmm. you know, I will say that this this Bradley Chubb deal can kind of stand on its own, I guess, with the value that they could get out of him. And the fact that, as you mentioned, Baron Browning, uh, Randy Gregory will be back. These other guys can contribute as as high-quality pass rushers in that defense. So clearly they're losing a very good player in Bradley Chubb, but they do have players to replace him there. And I actually liked the deal that they pulled off uh, for Jacob Martin as mm-hmm. well, it was a 2024 fourth, fifth swap uh, to get Jacob Martin in into Denver. And clearly he's not going to be Bradley Chubb, but he's been an effective pass rusher pretty much throughout his career. He's been a pretty decent player. And yeah, you take a downgrade going from Bradley Chubb to Jacob Martin, but at least you get another player in at a much lower cost uh, who can fill in some of those snaps. Mm-hmm. I will say, I did not expect Jacob Martin to be the second trade discussed on this show. <laughs> Very impressive and surprising to me. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the Broncos were pretty thoughtful and realistic. And I think that's part of it is that there are teams who if they make a trade for Russell Wilson, even if things aren't going their way, maybe they sort of stick their head in the sand and don't make a logical second move. They sort of just hope that things are going to turn around. And I think the Broncos, given where they are, even though they won last week, I think given the holes on that roster, given the issues they have elsewhere, given how far back they are in the AFC West, being realistic about what was going to happen uh, with them over the next year or so. On the offensive side of the ball, I think to me the most surprising trade of the day, which I wasn't maybe expecting to be surprising, was the Chase Claypool deal. So Chase Claypool goes from the Steelers to the Bears for a second round pick. Doug, how surprised were you that the Bears were on the other side of a Claypool deal? Um, I was a little surprised, but not. I knew that the Bears had been looking around at wide receivers. They had called the Patriots about Kendrick Bourne. Not sure if any of the other Patriots wide receivers had been discussed as part of those conversations, but I knew that they were looking for help for a wide receiver. And Chase Claypool is an intriguing option because like Kendrick Bourne, he is signed through next year. So Mm -hmm. this isn't just bringing in a wide receiver for half a season. This is a guy who, you know, can work with Justin Fields and they can kind of get acclimated together um, with one another. But I, the the price that they play, paid for Chase Claypool mm-hmm. is somewhat surprising that the Bears wound up giving up their own second round pick, not mm-hmm. the one that they acquired from the Ravens um, as part of the Roquan Smith deal. So it did feel like a bit of an overpay for the Bears um, because, I mean, Chase Claypool was drafted in 2020, I think, for like the 52nd overall pick, something like that. Mm-hmm. So the, the Steelers have Chase Claypool for two and a half years. And then they flip him for what's going to wind up being 
a higher second round pick more than mm-hmm. likely unless the bears go on some crazy run here. Uh, Chase Claypool showed a lot of promise in his rookie season. Oh, when the quarterback situation was a lot more settled with the Steelers when Ben mm-hmm. Roethlisberger was playing pretty well. Um, it's, it's gone very poorly at the quarterback position yes. ever since that season. And Chase Claypool's production has dipped dramatically. He had 11 touchdowns during his rookie season. He had two last year. I think he's got one or zero, something like that mm-hmm. this year. So he's still clearly a player with a lot of upside, great size, speed combination, all that. But there has been some whispers about, you know, some, some off field distractions involved with Chase Claypool. He's mm-hmm. certainly an outspoken guy, uh, kind of sometimes gets in trouble penalty wise on the field. So they're going to have to reel him in and rein him in a little bit. Uh, so I like, I like the player. I like them getting Chase Claypool. And I think that he will be effective for Justin Fields, but there's the other side of the coin. And I, I just think that it was a little bit too much to give up for him. Yeah. And I think that's the sort of intriguing part here from both levels, um, from the Chicago side, you know, they could have stayed put. I mean, they could have gone out and and taken a wide receiver at wherever they land in the second round. I think ESPN, we have it projected around 38 is where their pick is going to land right now. Obviously, subject to change, but given that they just traded away their two best defensive players and Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn, I don't think that run is coming. You know, anything's possible. Stranger things have happened in the NFL, but I do think the pick is going to land pretty highly. Um, and that would have got them a cheaper player. I mean, they would have got a player who coming into the NFL probably compared pretty similarly in terms of upside to Claypool, given that Claypool was drafted in the same range a couple of years ago, and they got him for cheaper. Claypool um, already now in his third NFL season, eligible for an extension next, next year, and as a second-round pick, only a four-year deal, so a free agent after next season. And the Bears just told his agent and told his people, hey, we think you're going to be a star given how much we just paid for you, so Claypool has every right to expect a big contract as part of this deal. Whereas drafting a guy, you know, they would have had three more years of of low cost control before having to think about a new deal. Of course, they also want to get the best guy possible for Justin Fields, who has looked impressive this year while playing with some middling uh, wide receivers outside of Darlene Mooney, it's fair to say. No disrespect to Equinemia St. Brown or Dante Pettis. They're NFL players, but not typically guys teams with young quarterbacks want to be relying on for significant snaps at wide receiver. But I guess it makes sense to me that this Bears offer was the best offer because if this pick does come in around 38, 39, like even though there were teams that were competitive that could have used Chase Claypool more, it's hard to imagine that there was a team willing to give up more in terms of draft capital for a player who like you said, has kind of taken a step backwards over the past couple of years. Yeah, I mean, even the Packers, I know they've struggled so far this season, but even if they're offering up a second-round pick, I think you'd rather take the Bears' second-round pick at this point and expect some sort of improvement out out of Aaron Rodgers in that Packers' offense. The other thing, you know, with this deal for Chase Claypool, obviously if they don't sign him to a long-term deal, which it makes sense to after giving up a second-round pick for him, even, you know, if you're dealing with a compensatory pick mm-hmm. with Chase Claypool down the road, which we're kind of so far out that it's hard to it's hard to do that whole formula because we don't right. know how much cap space the Bears would have at that point. They're certainly going to have a lot this offseason. Probably assume that they'll probably have a decent amount to sign free agents in the in the next offseason as mm-hmm. well. But if you like there's no guarantee that Chase Claypool is going to sign a top of market deal at wide receiver after he's played with the Bears for a season and a half because mm-hmm. 
I don't think he would at this point for what he's done with the Steelers. And the Bears are probably going to be, you know, a run first offense, at least throughout the rest of this season, mm-hmm. maybe even going into next year uh, with Justin Fields as their quarterback. So there's no guarantee that Chase Claypool is putting up 1,200 yard seasons with 12 touchdowns and he's going to garner some like 20, $30 million deal at wide receiver. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe in the long run, if they let him walk, they could still get a third round comp pick or something like that. But it's mm-hmm. it's certainly no guarantee when you're dealing with with him. Yeah, I mean, definitely it's a it's a big sort of risk reward deal, right? Like the Bears could be landing a superstar receiver, which is incredibly valuable in this league for much less than other teams paid for guys like Tyree Kill or Devontae Adams. Or they could be landing a guy who had one impressive season in Pittsburgh and has kind of been anonymous since. And paying a second round pick to do that is incurring a big opportunity cost in terms of not landing a player in the draft or not knowing we need to add a wide receiver and going out and signing one in free agency. So um, a really big swing. And I think we don't see teams typically take this big of a swing on a non-quarterback at this point of their rebuild. So I'm intrigued. I think it can go a lot of different ways. Um, And I think for Pittsburgh, again, like, got to be realistic. Like, they're two and six. They are out of the playoff picture. They have a core at receiver in Deontay Johnson, Pat Fryermuth, and George Pickens, two of whom are still on rookie deals. And you got to figure for a team that is maybe the best in football at doing this exact thing, they're going to take this Claypool pick or a pick in this range and just draft the next Chase Claypool. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, draft him in the fourth or fifth round, like they mm-hmm. like they've done in the past with some of these guys. So yes. yeah, I I like that deal a lot for the Steelers. Um, and clearly they understand where they where they are in the NFL, their standings in the NFL, and that they don't necessarily need that third wide receiver this season. Um, you know, if he's gonna wind up walking in a year and a half anyway, or if he's causing problems behind the scenes. And you know, it's it's one less wide receiver that you have to worry about targeting to make him happy as well. And you know, I don't know all the details and what's what's causing issues off the field and everything like that but they have an offense that's not producing a lot of yardage and three very good wide receivers uh you know as far as mouths to feed so there's eventually not going to be enough targets to go around for all those three wide receivers mm-hmm. plus as you mentioned their tight end uh, pat firemouth this podcast is proud to be supported by jets pizza the number one pick in detroit style pizza why It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there is no competition. And right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a Jets Pizza location near you. Again, try Jets Signature 8-Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Now, Doug, I, I told you before we started recording, I would monitor the Twitter wire to see if any trades broke after 4 p.m. as we record this. And one has actually snuck in Ooh. underneath the wire. 
you will regret that ooh because it is not an exciting deal the chiefs trade rashad fenton to the falcons so the falcons may be kind of adding a veteran with aj terrell hurt at cornerback fenton has not really played all that well for kansas city but i mean it's 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 still a ninth trade still snuck in after the deadline it's it's too many trades it's too many <laughs> trades at this point but i mean yeah the falcons definitely needed help at cornerback so it certainly makes yes. sense uh but yeah as far as where this would go and like the power rankings for exciting trades i think it, it slots in there right near the bottom and and it's amazing that one got got in right under the wire there Yes, absolutely. Just just that people were on the phone at 359 actually getting <laughs> that deal done. But I think a reasonable trade for both sides. Um, in terms of the other major move in terms of skill position players on offense, we saw the Lions give up, or I guess trade, give up might be harsh, but certainly move on from a former top 10 pick for the organization in TJ Hawkinson, who goes to the Vikings in a deal uh, they're, the Vikings giving up a two this year and a three next year, I believe. And then they're getting back a four this year and a conditional four next year, depending on whether they win a playoff game or not this year with TJ Hawkinson on their roster. So let me actually start from the Lions side, Doug. Are you surprised they're giving up on TJ Hawkinson so quickly into his career? I am surprised. And I, this is one of those deals that, you know, as far as teams acquiring players, I do like this more for the Vikings. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, TJ Hawkinson has his fifth year option next year. I know that he hasn't another player who maybe hasn't quite lived up to the hype that came with him when he was drafted. I believe it was eighth overall yep. uh, in the 2019 NFL draft, but he's definitely been a solid player. He had a, a fantastic game already this season. Lions offense at times this season has looked good. And that's been in part because TJ Hawkinson has been on the field helping them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was, I was a little bit shocked by this one. And, you know, before we get into the the, the Viking side of it, I have a, a friend who's a Lions fan who texts me quite often about these, this type of stuff. And now the Lions, Lions fans, the Lions organization, everyone has to be rooting for the Vikings to win a playoff game to improve that draft position on that conditional 2024 pick. So uh, kind of an awkward situation there for the Lions and their fan base. Yeah. And I mean, we have this sort of weird thing happening in the NFC North sort of built around uh, Kwesi Adolfo Mensah where he's trading repeatedly within the division so you have all these picks going back and forth from one team to the other inside the nfc north and he makes another move here in trading with the lions this seemed to be tipped off by the injury to irv smith who suffered a high ankle sprain uh last week he's gonna be out it sounds like a couple months that's like a pretty bad high ankle sprain so the vikings at six and one did need a tight end but this seems like more than just a move to get a guy to fill in while Irv Smith is hurt. It feels like the Vikings really value TJ Hawkinson as a building block for this team for the next few years to come. Yeah, I think it is a little bit of both because obviously the Vikings believe that they can compete this year. They're six and one. Uh, I believe that their win total the last time I looked this season was set at 11 and a half wins. So they are going to be, you know, one of the best teams in the NFC when it's all over, at least by, by record wise. Um, and I think that they just needed some more insurance playmaking wise, uh, because if, if any of those top playmakers had gone down, whether it was Dalvin cook or Adam Thielen or Justin Jefferson, 
they they would have been kind of screwed as far as you know how they could move the ball on offense and continuing the success that they've had and mm-hmm. we did see that when Irv Smith went down they didn't really have a tight end ready to fill in uh in their offense so i do th- i don't think this was a desperation move per se to get tj hawkinson but i do think it was at least somewhat of a response to that to that irv smith injury because they they would have been going into next week with johnny munt and and jacob hollister at tight end nick muse who's an undrafted free agent like they, there just wasn't a lot of other options at tight end so mm-hmm. their option was to either trade for one or just kind of you know I'm not certainly not throw away the season, but I don't think that he would have been nearly as effective with one of those replacement players at tight end. Uh, So this is a massive deal, but it also tells me clearly that they like TJ Hawkinson more Mm -hmm. moving forward than they did Irv Smith. And I do think that this is an improvement for them. Um, Is it an improvement worth a second and third round pick? And then they get back maybe one or two fours. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I like the deal. I like the deal for the Vikings. I, I do. I, I know it's a decent amount to give up, but it's another one of those deals where uh, if you play the compensatory pick formula down the mm-hmm. road, he's going to sign a top of market deal uh, for a tight end if he does walk in free agency. And I don't expect it to get to that point because the other element here for a tight end is that tight end is the most undervalued position mm-hmm. contract wise mm-hmm. in the NFL. So you you could pay a wide receiver $30 million a year, or you could pay the best tight end in the NFL 15 to $20 million a year. So I think that that's the element here that makes a lot of sense to me is that I do think that they should sign TJ Hawkinson to a long-term deal. They should do it sooner than later before that tight end market explodes, which mm-hmm. at some point it might, I'm not sure who's the player who's actually going to set that off. Uh, but yeah, I think that that's my favorite part about it is that they're, they're acquiring a very good player, one of the best tight ends in the NFL, and they will be, able to sign him for half as much as they would a wide receiver who's that same caliber yeah i I think that's i'm writing about this for espn tomorrow and i have a lot about this in my column um you know you look at the the top of the tight end market mark andrews's deal which is i think the third biggest deal for a tight end right now um according to the metrics i'm using like it's it compares to what alan robinson got from the rams and what Corey davis got from the jets like like you know we're talking about okay solid maybe frustrating wide receivers for the second or third or maybe even best tight end in football it's just a totally different sort of spot on the contract spectrum and teams are thinking about that you know teams are are sort of realizing okay we're going to head in one direction or another and for the vikings where their number one wide receiver is justin jefferson and he's going to get paid a lot of money as early as this offseason I think they're sort of thinking about what are we going to surround Justin Jefferson with, not just next year, but in the years to come. And having Hawkinson on a sort of friendlier deal than whoever their second wideout is going to be makes a lot of sense. I know, of course, Adam Thielen's there now. Wouldn't be surprised if this was his last season in a Vikings uniform. And I think you have those kind of two pieces in place for whatever your future is at quarterback, whether it's, it's you know, I assume it's going to be not Kirk Cousins at some point as early as maybe next offseason, probably the year after, uh, you'd say for sure. But now you have that, that sort of that number one tight end and number one wide receiver in place. So you have the, the pieces when that quarterback shows up. Yeah, and then obviously, yeah, you can fill that in with rookie contracts at the other wide receiver positions or eventually at, at running back. Bill, th- we we missed one other trade under the wire here. Oh, no, a 10th? The, Atl- the Atlanta Falcons just announced we've traded Dean Marlowe to the Buffalo Bills. So safety <laughs> Dean Marlowe going to the Buffalo Bills for a 2023 seventh-round pick. 
Once again, I think that slots right near the bottom of the, these, uh, <laughs> these trade power rankings here. A return to Buffalo, I believe, for mm-hmm. I love that the Falcons apparently had just enough cap space to trade for Rashad Fenton, and they said we have to get someone out of here. We cannot, <laughs> we cannot afford anybody else. Get Marlowe, send him back to Buffalo. Um, Marlowe is a good special teams player, so I think that's what Buffalo is going out and acquiring him for. Um, Bills made another trade as well. This trading deadline, a more significant trade in some ways, at least in terms of people, players. Or players people have heard of uh they trade for running back Naheem Hines so I I was intrigued by this one because the Bills we know have been interested in adding another running back they tried to sign JD McKissick this offseason and thought they had until McKissick changed his mind but I sort of figured that they were set at running back after acquiring James Cook and and Hines certainly is a a sort of difference maker in the passing game for the league's most pass-friendly offense yeah, and ultimately they didn't have to give up a lot. So I think that James Cook could certainly still, you know, be part of their future at that running back position. But uh, yeah, the the Colts or the Bills gave up Zach Moss, and I believe it was either a fifth or sixth round pick mm-hmm. uh, to the Colts for Naheem Hines. And Naheem Hines has been one of the best receiving wide receivers uh, in the league over the last you know, three, four seasons, uh, great speed can serve as a returner. He's played a lot of snaps, both, uh, you know, in the slot split mm-hmm. out wide. So there's a possibility, I guess, that he could share snaps, uh, with Devin Singletary or even James cook in that offense. But yeah, the bills had been looking around at at basically every running back. It seemed like, <laughs> and they, they wound up pulling off what I thought was a pretty decent deal, because if you're looking at another running back trade that happened, uh, today, the Dolphins traded with the 49ers for Jeff Wilson and gave up a fifth round pick. Mm-hmm. I'd probably rather, you know, give up Zach Wilson and either a fifth or sixth for Naheem Hines than a fifth round pick for Jeff Wilson. Since I, I don't know if the Colts were necessarily like dying to get rid of Naheem Hines, mm-hmm. whereas the 49ers were clearly looking to upgrade over Jeff Wilson. Uh, with Christian McCaffrey and then also getting Elijah Mitchell back. So I was kind of impressed with what the 49ers got for Jeff Wilson, mm-hmm. but I like this deal for the Bills uh, for getting Naheem Hines for the package that they got him for. Yeah, I'm not sure we talked about it too much in the Dolphins section uh, of the mm-hmm. Chubb trade, but they do send Chase Edmonds back right. to Denver as part of this deal, which just turns Denver's backfield into an enormous fantasy football mess, unfortunately, for everyone involved. <laughs> but uh, the Dolphins now add Jeff Wilson, who, of course, knows the Mike McDaniel offense from spending time in San Francisco. Jeff Wilson's role in San Francisco kind of compromised by the Christian McCaffrey trade, Elijah Mitchell coming back to San Francisco. And, and I think for Wilson, who's been really very productive this year on a per carry basis, um, the rushing yards over expected numbers really like what he's done this year for San Francisco. I mean, I think it's a good move for him personally, where you get the opportunity to have a more regular role. Raheem Mostert is going to be the lead back there, you'd figure, but Raheem Mostert's injury history is certainly well documented. And I, and I think that could be a move that works for everyone involved. And then bringing it back to the cold side of things, of course, Jonathan Taylor has been banked up this year. Um, Zach Moss could be a guy who takes some of the workload off of Jonathan Taylor, not just as a receiver, but also as a runner between the tackles, which Naheem Hines is you know, fine, but that's not necessarily his strength in that offense. Yeah, and they, they've got Deion Jackson, who impressed a couple of weeks ago with, I think, 10 catches um, yep. in one of the games uh, against the Jaguars. So, I, you know, they they had that 
that pass catching option on their roster. They're able, like you said, to acquire a guy uh, who can carry it a little bit more in between the tackles and Zach Moss. And yeah, it's interesting to see how some of these deals did kind of work in concert. Whereas mm-hmm. we mentioned earlier with Bradley Chubb being traded from the Broncos and then getting Jacob Martin. And then the same thing with the Dolphins trading away um, Chase Edmonds and then getting Jeff Wilson back in mm-hmm. there. And yeah, the, the Chase Edmonds deal just really didn't work out for the Dolphins this offseason. And I guess it's best to move on um, as quickly as you can if it's not working out. And yeah, I think that Raheem Mostert will probably be that lead back in Miami, but certainly possible that that could be a little bit more of a split workload there um, in that Mike McDaniel offense, Jeff Wilson and Chase and, uh, and Raheem Mostert reuniting from their time in San Francisco yes. with Mike McDaniel. And I mean, given Mostert's injury history, I, I think I would probably prefer a little bit more of a split workload between those guys than just giving the reins to Raheem Mostert. And as you mentioned, Jeff Wilson has looked good this season. He, he mm-hmm. has proven himself as a capable starting caliber running back. So um, I, I like Jeff Wilson as a player. I would just say that I was surprised that the 49ers were able to get a fifth round pick for him because only two running backs were traded um, at least today during the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Obviously Christian McCaffrey went a little bit earlier, but I don't think that the market was real high for running backs. Uh, This trade deadline, when guys like Kareem Hunt wasn't able to be moved, Mm -hmm. teams were reaching about Damian Harris, teams were reaching out about other players. Cam Akers didn't wind up being dealt, even though Mm -hmm. the the LA Rams seemed like they were desperate to get rid of him. So to be able to get a fifth round pick for a running back in this market was pretty solid. Yeah, I agree. And I think the familiarity helps there. You know, I think having a guy who can step right in and who can, you know, literally probably knows the playbook already has a copy of it. Um, that helps. I mean, not that teams, not that you can't take running backs and plug them in there. You know, it's only so much you need to learn as a running back, but just in terms of protections, in terms of being able to play on all downs, like that can take a few weeks. And so I think Jeff Wilson, probably more valuable to the Dolphins or maybe I guess the Jets, if they were going to trade for a running back, than he would have been for just about anybody else in the league. So, um, Absolutely, I think it makes sense. And I, I will say I was surprised that there weren't more running backs on the move. Um, you mentioned the guys who seemed extremely likely to be dealt, and none of them got out there. Uh, another guy who was not moved and seemed to be upset about it on Twitter was Brandon Cooks, who <laughs> is apparently staying put with the Texans. Why do you think that, that, that given how many teams need wide receiver help and given how low the Texans are, why do you think they weren't able to get a deal done for the former Patriots and Rams receiver? Yeah, I mean, it would have been a what it would have been like his fourth trade, third, fourth yes. trade, or whatever it was. I think it is the guaranteed money, uh, guaranteed mm-hmm. salary that's left on his contract. He's got eighteen million dollars in guaranteed money next season. Uh, none of his thirteen million dollar salary in twenty twenty four was guaranteed. But I mean, Brandon Cooks is a player who's finally getting up there in age he's been around forever i think he was in the 2014 draft class he's still mm-hmm. only 29 years old wow. which is pretty amazing uh but he's got eight accrued seasons already uh hasn't been quite as effective recently but that could just be uh because of the offense he's playing in the quarterback right. that he's playing with but i think just i don't know i mean i guess committing to 18 million dollars for him in 2023 was a little bit too much for these teams to stomach I don't know how much money he would wind up getting if he just suddenly became a free agent. I mm-hmm. think it would probably actually be around 15 to $20 million. Yeah. Um, so maybe it's just that the Texans wanted more than teams were. I think mm-hmm. that the going rate for him was a day two pick. 
Mm-hmm. I think that that's what the Texans wanted for Brandon Cooks. That's what a lot of these teams wanted for the wide receivers. Jerry Judy, uh, Chase Claypool obviously wound up going for a second round pick, mm-hmm. uh, Brandon Cooks. So maybe that was just too much to stomach, you know, the second round pick plus the $18 million uh, guaranteed salary. And mm-hmm. if you compare it directly to the deal that the Browns and, and Cowboys pulled off for Amari Cooper mm-hmm. uh, for a fifth round pick, I guess for a team acquiring an older wide receiver with guaranteed money left on his deal, mm-hmm. a second round pick or a third round pick is is significantly higher than what the Browns give up for Amari Cooper. So maybe that plays into his, his into it as well Mm -hmm. but i mean yeah there's a lot of teams out there that need wide receivers like the green bay packers i don't know what they're doing (laughs) at this point like i don't know if they're just trying to piss aaron Rodgers off so much that like he wants i don't i don't know it's it's insane that they're still not training for wide receivers that they're still not acquiring help there because i think that if anything was the most evident this weekend Mm -hmm. it's that the packers just desperately need wide receiver help and that's not going to change when alan lazard comes back alan lazard is a good wide receiver they're Mm -hmm. still going to need wide receivers even when he's healthy when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com isn't it crazy? Like, it, it, like I, I understand the last few years when they've been really good. I, it makes sense. Okay, you're 13 and three. You're 13 and three. You're 13 and four. You deserve the benefit of the doubt. Your team's playing great. Your offense looks great. Aaron Rodgers is winning back-to-back MVP awards. Okay, you did not need a wide receiver. Fine. They're not good. Like, they've been right. a mess on offense this season. They're three and five. Rodgers is struggling. The offense has looked just totally hopeless for stretches they've lost to the commanders the giants the jets they're on a four game losing streak and i mean the only thing i would say is that i am sure if the packers called anybody about a wide receiver they were being charged the maximum (laughs) possible price like the market does not exist in a vacuum this is not madden and the price for the packers might not been the price for anybody else but even allowing that they couldn't give up a first-round pick for Claypool and probably should not have given up a first-round pick for Claypool, it just seems like there's something they could have done for some wide receiver. And maybe, do you think it tells us they're confident about getting Odell Beckham, maybe? They should probably feel more confident about getting Odell Beckham a junior after Kadarius Tony went to the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs were, you know, one of the front runners for Odell Beckham Jr. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Maybe they could still pull off that deal. It seems like it would be kind of a, a waste of resources to have that many starting mm-hmm. caliber wide receivers on the roster. Um, I do. I had heard that the Packers wanted a bigger bodied mm-hmm. wide receiver. So maybe a guy like Brandon Cooks wasn't, you know, the, the player that they were looking for. And mm-hmm. I can understand from their perspective, not wanting to give up a first round pick for Chase Claypool. And like we mentioned earlier, I don't think the second round pick was going to cut it, but 
I think they could have maybe done a second round pick plus, you know, an early day three pick, something like that for Chase Claypool Mm -hmm. um, or pulled off a deal for one of the Patriots wide receivers or, you know, Jerry Judy, whoever else was out there uh, Mm -hmm. to be had. But I mean, the one thing that's so strange about the Packers is that I really don't think that they are going to get better. Mm-hmm. until they find some sort of help at wide receiver. And that pretty much at this point can only come if a player's cut or if they can sign Odell Beckham Jr. And it de- it's certainly doesn't behoove them to be bad this year. Like no. they're only going to have Aaron Rodgers for so many more seasons. So this is the time for them to pull off some sort of deal like the Dolphins have done and try to go all in. Mm-hmm. It's not the time to hang back there and try to get your values and everything like that. And I mean, last year, when Odell Beckham Jr. was was available, mm-hmm. they just weren't willing to pay up the same way that other teams were. So if they do want to get Odell Beckham Jr. now, then I think that they're certainly going to have to come with a market price. And I had also heard that, you know, part of the Odell Beckham Jr. Green Bay Packers thing would be him getting to play with Devontae Adams mm-hmm. just as much as it would be him getting to play with Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. And now clearly that's out of the cards as well. So I don't know. I also just think with Odell Beckham Jr., like he was good with the Rams last season, Mm -hmm. but it's no guarantee that he's going to come in and be this game wrecking wide receiver for whichever team acquires him. So I I don't know. It's, it's risky. It's still possible. Like I said, that a wide receiver could wind up getting released. Mm -hmm. I have no inside information about this, but Nelson Aguilar is making a lot of money with the Patriots Mm -hmm. right now. And they can't really get out of that money because uh, if they cut him, it would come with termination pay, but at least, Mm -hmm. If something like that did wind up happening, maybe they could hope that he would get claimed or maybe there would be some offsetting language with a team that, that signs him. So it mm-hmm. is possible that another team could cut a wide receiver, but I think you would have preferred a guarantee by trading for a player if you're the Packers. You're 100% correct about Odell Beckham and not necessarily being a star. I mean, even the Odell Beckham we saw a year ago with the Rams, who was good, but not exactly the Odell Beckham of the Giants era, like that's an okay receiver like he's would probably be the number one on the Packers but it's not like he's a superstar and yet every single week I feel like I think oh my god Odell Beckham's gonna get so much money because the teams who are interested in Odell Beckham are so desperate for help like the Packers and the Rams are just like they desperately need a guy like Odell Beckham and I think it's just going to make his price go even higher for teams who did not get a wide receiver at this trade deadline yeah, and I had actually wondered about that. Like, how much money is Odell Beckham Jr. really going to get? And I was talking to someone about it. And I think that, you know, when he eventually signs that deal, I'm not sure if it's going to wind up being a long-term contract or if it's going to be a one-year deal. Mm-hmm. If it's a one-year deal, it's definitely going to be pitched as like one year, 10 million or one year, 50 million, whatever it is, when clearly it's only going to be a fraction of that since mm-hmm. he's only going to play a fraction of the season. Uh, but I think it'll also be pretty heavily incentivized by you know playoff wins playoff stats all those types of things um because i mean based on the deal they signed last year you probably wouldn't expect him to sign much more than a minimum contract Mm -hmm. but you're making a good point that he's he's certainly going to have a strong market um and that's even before we account for any other injuries that happen at the wide receiver position from now until when he's finally healthy and right and able to sign a deal right like you know i just said the rams were desperate for help imagine how desperate they would have been if cooper cup suffered a more serious ankle injury uh in the fourth quarter of that game last week they would be i think literally he would get a a shake a shake a stake in the team if (laughs) odell beckham went to the rams so absolutely a uh 
going to be a really fascinating market for him when he's ready to play in the second half of this year. A guy who is not ready to play in the second half of this year, who is suspended for the remainder of the 2022 season, was traded today as well. I don't know why this trade took until the trade deadline to happen, but the Falcons made another deal as it turns out on Tuesday. And I want you to explain the terms of this one to me because I'm still confused, frankly. Like, I think I'm a pretty smart person. And yet every time I've tried to read it, I've I've sort of, my eyes have crossed. Uh, Here is the Detroit. We know Calvin Ridley is going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. What could the Falcons get in return? Um, It can become a second round pick if the Jaguars sign Calvin Ridley to a contract extension. Um, But I think there was also a report that it could top out at like a second and a fourth or like a sixth or something. Like I'm completely with you. Like this is my job to know (laughs) what the Falcons are getting in this trade. But there's been like so many different reports and so the, like the verbiage is so complicated mm-hmm. that so at best they can get a second round pick, like at least a second round pick, I think, yep. or maybe at most a second round pick. It's, at most. It's, it's, it's extremely convoluted. Yeah. So at most they can get a second round pick if the Jaguars sign Calvin Ridley to a contract extension. Um, otherwise it is a third. It could be a fourth. Can it be less than a fourth? I think so they're getting a fifth round pick for sure. Okay. To my knowledge. Yes. And then they get a 2024 pick that is a four. If Calvin Ridley stays on the roster, this is per Adam Schefter. Gotcha. Okay. Yes. A three. If Ridley reaches certain incentives, which I don't know what those certain incentives are. And a two, (laughs) if Ridley is signed to a contract extension. So Ridley would be a free agent after the 2023 season, which is why this pick cannot transfer because we don't know if he's going to sign an extension until 2024. Now, in terms of the the risk here for the Jags, it's pretty low. I mean, if they trade a fifth round pick for Calvin Ridley and he shows up next year and he's not in the mindset of playing or he is suspended again or anything happens at the end of the day, you gave up a fifth round pick for a really talented player, not the end of the world, but giving up a second round pick now, if, if they do sign him to an extension for a guy who has not played since the since October or September of 2021, who has been suspended for this entire season, was requesting a trade out of Atlanta before this, and has really only had one significant season. He was good in 2018, scored 10 touchdowns, but his breakout season in 2020 was really the only year he's been a a top 10 NFL wide receiver. Like, I I understand the need, but it also seems like, you know, this is also a risk for a team that spent a lot of money at receiver this offseason and does not appear to have landed that number one guy they're clearly hoping Calvin Ridley can become. Yeah, this, it it does feel risky. And it's it's a strange deal where, yeah, they give up a second round pick if they sign him to a contract extension. And like the difference between a three and a two or, you know, a four and a two, if he doesn't hit those incentives is very significant. So it's almost like it it encourages them to not sign him to a contract extension. Right. It's it's a it's a strange deal where 
like usually it's it's all a net positive if all the things happen and you wind up having to give up too much for for a player but like it's it's a it's a future decision mm-hmm. that's that's dependent upon whether they give up at that point a third round pick or a second round pick so i don't know i mean i would almost feel like if i'm the jaguars i don't love uh that that condition on the draft pick because mm-hmm. it could it could influence your decision making at that point to not want to give up a second round pick and i guess it depends on where the jaguars are at that point as a franchise clearly it, it depends on how good kelvin ridley is mm-hmm. but yeah it's it's just a really strange condition to have in a deal yeah and i mean i i guess from the falcons perspective i mean you want to have the upside of getting a significant pick but now they're sort of rooting for Calvin Ridley to play well in Jacksonville. Whereas, you know, it sort of seems like once a guy leaves your organization, like you don't want him to get hurt or anything, but you don't want to have to rely on him playing well somewhere else to justify having a deal work out. And I think given how good Ridley looked before all this happened, you you know, when when he was initially on the trade block, the talk was, okay, they're going to get a real draft haul to help bring back you know, help help them rebuild that roster. And now, if everything works out, maybe you're getting a second round pick. It almost feels like kind of a lose-lose to me in some ways. Yeah, it, it does. And, you know, it's obviously Calvin Ridley's had kind of a, a strange career as it is. So mm-hmm. who knows how all of this actually winds up playing out. But yeah, it's it's definitely, I don't know. I'm, I'm personally just kind of fascinated to see how this all pans out because yeah, there was a time when Calvin Ridley, I think he's still considered one of the best route running wide receivers in the NFL, but production wise, it hasn't really, you know, equated to, to that much success uh, production wise for, for Calvin Ridley or for the Atlanta Falcons. So I don't know. I mean, this is just a, it's such a strange trade and it, it came at such a strange time too, at the trade deadline, clearly like this deal couldn't have been done over the next few months mm-hmm. while the season is going on, but it almost feels like it would have been more beneficial for both parties to wait it out until after the season, um, just to see where Calvin Ridley stood, to see, you know, what he looks like, to see where the Jaguars were as an organization, to see what happens at wide receiver. I just don't know why this needed to happen today, you know? Right. And I think, you know, a lot of teams would not necessarily have wanted to give up significant draft capital now for Calvin Ridley when he's not going to play until next year. So, I, I'm I'm a little intrigued. I don't know if the Falcons just set kind of an arbitrary deadline before the year and said, hey, if we don't have a deal for him by the deadline, we're going to take the best possible trade. But yeah, I think absolutely this would have made more sense for both parties involved, frankly, after the season ended. Um, as we wrap up here, in terms of the players who were not traded, we've talked a little bit about Brandon Cooks. Is there anyone else who stands out to you where if I talked to you yesterday, you would have said, oh, yeah, I think for sure that guy's getting traded. And yet that player is still not on another roster. Um, It probably would have been, I guess, Kareem Hunt um, or at least one of those Browns running backs. Uh, it seems like the league doesn't necessarily value Dearness Johnson uh, the way that some of the, you know, advanced metrics or whatever, mm-hmm. uh you know, graded him or or ranked Mm -hmm. him last year as a Browns running back. But the Browns having Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and Dearness Johnson and Jerome Ford all on that roster, you think that they could have gotten something for one of them. I believe it was reported that the Browns were looking for a fourth round pick Mm -hmm. for Kareem Hunt. 
That being said, I mean, I know he's more expensive, but Kareem Hunt for a fourth round pick doesn't sound that crazy when Jeff Wilson was traded for a fifth round pick. Um, so I, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that a deal didn't wind up getting worked out there. And I think that the Rams were the the obvious team that could have used either mm-hmm. Kareem Hunt or, or Naheem Hines because I, I don't know if you caught this, but they had Ronnie Rivers <laughs> leading the team <laughs> in carries last week. Like th- that's where things stand on the Rams right now. D- Daryl Henderson's not even getting a lot of work. I know that Kyron Williams is expected to get uh, a big chunk of carries once he's off of injured reserve, but he has played one career snap in the NFL. Mm-hmm. It came on a kickoff. And he got injured. So like, there's no guarantee whatsoever that Kyron Williams uh, is going to be good when he comes off of injured reserve. So I'm just shocked that the Rams did not wind up coming away with one of those running backs. And yeah, like I said, I think that Kareem Hunt was the most logical one, but also just given around, given what's been reported about what the Rams were throwing around compensation wise for, you know, it was reported that they offered two first round picks mm-hmm. uh, for Brian Burns, that they were in on uh, Christian McCaffrey, all these things. I'm just shocked that they didn't make a move at the mm-hmm. trade deadline. Yeah, me too. And I think I want to finish up by asking you about the Rams and sort of about what the impact of their philosophy might be um, in terms of the Rams. This is a whole other podcast. We talked a little bit about this with Jordan Rodriguez last week on this show about their philosophy of trading picks for players and what is true and not true about that. But the, on the simplest possible level, the Rams did trade some of their first-round picks, some later picks as well in years past for veterans, and those guys did help them win a Super Bowl a year ago. And like you said, now the Rams did not make a trade at all this this trading deadline. So do you think that the league is moving into a universe where players are more likely to get traded for picks during the trade deadline because teams sort of see what the Rams did and are going to emulate that? Or is this just maybe more of a one-off where the the universe combined and it just made sense for a bunch of trades to happen this offseason i think it's probably more of the former it's 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 obviously a tough question but i do think that we wouldn't have seen this many deals because i mean like this was by far the craziest nfl trade deadline in my memory and i don't think that we would have seen this degree of trades if there wasn't some sort of influence uh from the los angeles rams and you know it's a way to go all in. I think that it's been an untapped market for teams to not only trade players for picks, but I think it in you know this offseason, last offseason, we'll probably start to see more player-for-player player trades as well uh, coming down the line. And it's fun for the league that we're seeing all these trades. We'll see if it pans out as well for the Dolphins and the Vikings and these teams that seemingly are going all in as it did for the Rams last year. I suspect it, it might not. And then maybe we do start to see a shift uh, towards, you know, a more conservative approach Mm -hmm. to the trade deadline. But no, I think it has to. I think it has to play a role. It has to play a factor. And this really did feel like one of those big MLB trade deadlines. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's, it's something that we've basically never seen before. I know 2017, Jimmy Garoppolo, Dwayne Brown, Jay Ajayi got traded, but this has just been on a completely different level. And I do think that, Team saw what the Rams were able to do last year, win a Super Bowl by training picks for players and saying, all right, let's let's give that a shot as well. Because yeah, I I would probably prefer the the draft pick side of it mm-hmm. nine times out of ten, but there are some good deals to be had, like the TJ Hawkinson deal, I think it was a good one. And mm-hmm. uh some of these other trades I think could wind up panning well, panning out well for these teams. 
Yeah, I mean, our, our Kevin Seifert tweeted, uh, not just a record 10 trades made on the trade deadline today, but the previous record was five. So twice wow. as many as the prior trade deadline record. So hopefully for us as content creators, there's there's more trades because it's more fun. But uh, whether it's the trade deadline, whether it is the NFL season on the whole, Doug, where can people check out your coverage of the National Football League? Uh, yeah, uh, check it out at pff.com. Um, I write all sorts of things there from mailbags to rumor roundups, uh, one up, one down, all that fun stuff. And then I also do a podcast Monday, Wednesday, and Friday with Brad Spielberger called PFF Wire. So if you like getting your news via podcast, then make sure to subscribe to that on Spotify or Apple or watch us on YouTube because typically we, we wind up going live on those as well. Awesome. Well, Doug, you know, it's a pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Absolutely. Anytime, Bill. All right. Thanks so much to my friend, PFF's Doug Kai. Doug does excellent work on the NFL, both breaking stories and breaking down stories for PFF. Hope you guys enjoyed the trade deadline. Lots of crazy stuff happened. Very interesting season. Uh, We are approaching the halfway point of that. I'm breaking down some of these trades over on ESPN.com, so you can check that out on Wednesday as well. But, of course, thanks as always for listening, and more audio on the way next week.